You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Oh, when that bass crashes in, you know it's time for DLC, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Are you one of our geeks and sneaks out there? Are you using this podcast to motivate your workout or your run? We're going to be there for you for about 90 minutes of gaming goodness. DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week. Oh, new sponsor, Simple.com, Harry's, and Linda. Oh, Linda, they made that possible, bringing DLC to you. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy whose controller always malfunctions when he's about to win the championship, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hey, Christian. I would take it if it means I'm about to win the championship. Hello, Mr. Kanata. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? You, you surviving our LA thunderstorms in July? You mean Rainpocalypse 2015, part seven? <laughs> yeah, I wish. Uh, it's good. It's all good. We need more of it. Hey, folks, you know, uh, we have an ongoing thread in our subreddit right now. That is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, where you can suggest guests for the show. Uh, and one of our most suggested guests is on today. I'm so excited. You know, people always ask me what DLC stands for, and it is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, we are excited because DLC stands for detection, live streams, and computer mags because we have got one of my favorite people in gaming. I used to read him at Computer Gaming World and 1UP. I used to listen to him on the Brodeo at GFW Radio, and now I watch his live streams he is currently at Hit Detection, and we are so excited to have him. Mr. Jeff Green, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. I'm excited to be here. I am. You know, I'm a fan of your guys' show, so it's an honor for me. Oh, thanks, man. I, can, I feel like I can never have too many Jeffs. More Jeff is always good. More Jeff opinion. is always good. I think actually <laughs> a week ago, we were, you and I were in a Twitter conversation with Jeff Keeley. Yes, and that's like, the, that's like the perfect storm of Jeffs right there. It kind of is, except he's, technically he's a geoff. I don't know. If I know, he, right? If he, if he counts, what? I've never understood the Geoffs. They're they're wrongheaded. They're kind of a different breed, really. They're not the true Jeffs. <laughs> exactly, true Jeffs unite. <laughs> uh, we're no gonna have a lot of fun. Well, no, I think he should act- absolutely take offense as much. Okay, offense actually, as a little bit of offense to Jeff. <laughs> Uh, we got a, a big week of news to talk about, plus some really awesome new games. This is going to be a, a, a really fantastic episode. I'm excited. So let's jump right into it the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. 
Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. Jeff, as our guest, you get first pick of stories. So uh, what would you consider to be your Story of the Week? Well, uh, you guys uh, suggested it before we started, and I, I have to agree that, uh, that Evo was, was definitely the Story of the Week, I think. Uh, there was a lot going on uh, at that show this week. Um, a lot of sort of... Uh, I'll, I'll let you take it. It's your show, after all. And it's, it's not, I'm merely the guest. Uh, but there was a lot of great highlights and hijinks this whole week at that show. It was, it was a constant source of amusement. Even for someone like me who does not play fighting games, it was still fun to watch uh, the sort of uh, nonsense that was going on this week. And good Yeah, it, it, it was it was packed with drama. It was packed with excitement. I mean, you couldn't ask for a, a better esports event it you know people that that might not watch esports it's almost as if all of the bowl games were played on the same weekend in the same like chunk of time like back to back to back to back Mm -hmm. uh it's all these fighting games having the the biggest event in each of their categories all at the same time and man it was so much great stuff you're right i i got sucked into watching it um there there's a couple of of things that i wanted to mention but feel free to mention your own if you guys were watching it um First of all, how cool is it that Jamie Lee Curtis was there dressed as Vega? I guess her yeah. son is uh, is a big fighting game fan, and for his high school graduation present, she and her husband, um, uh, Christopher Guest, took their son to Evo, and she didn't want to get bothered by fans, so she cosplayed as Vega. So my question to you Pretty guys brilliant. is, uh, best mom or the greatest mom ever? <laughs> I think I think we got to go with the latter, especially because uh, if you read interviews with her, like she wasn't just being a cool mom, which of, which, of course, she is. But she actually also plays like she knows yeah. the game and could probably beat all of us. I know she could beat me and I would actually be happy to have Jamie Lee Curtis beat me. But that's <laughs> that, that's something else. Um, I, I think I can't remember what game she said she plays, but she said, um, what is it? Is it Tekken? Uh, anyway, she said, is it Street Fighter? Street she Fighter? Says, I, okay. Oh, yeah. She says, I've played more Street Fighter than you will ever know. And she, her favorite character <laughs> is Cammy. How cool is that? Yeah. That's the coolest thing ever. Um, Christian, did you watch any of Evo? I, I did. It's, um, it's, it's really well put together. I mean, I feel like every year, for the most part, it's gotten better and better in terms of, one, the streams were all super reliable at least for me which it seems like we should expect that but i think it's nice to acknowledge because <laughs> far too often for many years it wasn't especially when uh, the finals all start it was like can i find a stream that works and um you know kudos to everyone making that making that happen it was for me i do i'm a i'm as much of an evo fan as i am um, many as college sport or sport in general where I get hyped for the finals. I did not watch too many of the preliminary rounds, but what finals they were, what was your finals moment, Jeff? Or or what was your biggest Evo moment this year? Did you have a singular, this defines what makes it great? Or are there too many? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I, I, oh, you, you you have to be more specific when you say Jeff, because I just assumed you were talking to me. You're probably talking to Jeff Green, our guest. No, I assumed he was talking to you, Jeff. Well, for the (laughs) rest of this show, please call me by my middle name, Jeff. (laughs) <laughs> uh well i'll tell you what my experience was uh i was playing heroes of the storm and and watching a lot of the north american 
open for Heroes of the Storm, which also was this weekend, which was a major tournament for Heroes of the Storm players. Uh, I was watching that. I was watching Evo. And last night, I was literally in a Heroes of the Storm game on chat with my team. And one of our players, one of the one of my friends who who I play with a lot, said, "Guys, the 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 final Street Fighter match is about to start." We all stayed on uh, on Skype talking to each other and all switched over and watched the stream of the last grand final Street Fighter match. And it was this awesome shared viewing experience where we were all watching the game and the drama. First of all, of of Gamer B, who is this massive underdog who, who came out of retirement to try his hand, came from the loser's bracket, got into the grand final, and was actually challenging the, the, the one of the greatest players of Street Fighter in the world who came from the winner's bracket. And is it's coming down to the final game. It's this big match that's, you know, multi-round, multi-games, and it gets down to the final de- decisive match. And then the controller goes out! It was like the most incredible crazy dramatic moment i i couldn't believe it it was it was nuts and we were all going crazy watching together it was just it was as fun as watching any sporting event i i loved it and the worst uh the, the, from what i understand the rules i didn't see it happen live but the rules are that the pl- a player is disqualified right if they uh or not uh, i i'm not disqualified the right word he loses a round so what okay. what actually happened was when the controller <laughs> malfunctioned and it basically paused the game in the middle of a round and there was all this chaos people didn't know what what was going on the officials ran over everybody started talking and the player who didn't cause the the pause has the option to take a round and so Mm -hmm. he did and what he did he just in it in order to not give the the uh, other player any higher on his meter so he didn't actually take hits to increase his meter his ex meter uh, he actually just punched him down to just below where his health was and then let the time expire. So he got that round and won it the safest way possible. But it was this crazy, like, interruption in the flow. And, oh, man, it, it was one of those moments that I'll I'll never forget. It was crazy. But, but Jeff, you and I were talking about another moment from the Guilty Gear X uh, yeah. championship. Talk about that. that. That was crazy. Well, that was just one of those classic uh, – those classic – moments of a uh, that you see happen in real sports where an athlete just is too cocky and just celebrates too early and we've we've all seen videos on youtube of like uh you know a a, a bike race or or a running race guy who just starts celebrating thinking he's over the finish line before everybody and then someone skates over uh ahead of him there there's plenty of examples of a boneheaded uh pre-celebration <laughs> moves and that's what happened in this case uh <clears throat> the players are, I, I believe, uh, you'll have to help me with the pronunciation if I get it wrong. Uh, Washigi, is that correct? Or Oh, I'm not going to be able to help you. <laughs> I, I apologize to anyone listening who, who if I mispronounce his name as as, uh, as a dumb old guy. Uh, versus uh, Ogawa were the two guys. It was a uh, semifinal bracket in, in Guilty Gear, uh, uh, in the Guilty Gear tournament. And Ogawa was a favorite. And... Uh, they were tied one to one in in the in the uh, in the round, and Ogawa won uh, the third round. No, wait, it was no. That's right. Yeah, he, it was he, a se- it was a second round, second right? Round, and he yeah. thought it was a third round. So yeah. he won- so he won. It was actually tied one to one, but he thought he won the whole thing. And he, it's on video; you can find it online. He stood up and starts, you know showboating around the stage like he was the big victor but the match wasn't over 
Yeah. That was another and, round. And the other and, guy, the, the third round starts, and the other guy just owns him, right. <laughs> like, before well, he can even sit back was, down. Right, well, he was still sitting in his controllers. He was still playing the match. The other guy was too busy celebrating to realize the third match had started. So, but uh, it's, quit- it's, I think it's hilarious that there was, like, no mercy. The guy was just, oh, like, no goes in for the kill. <laughs> oh, my God, are you kidding? Would you have mercy? I mean, I, and, and I what was not. great is when the, when, the, when the opponent does win, he stands up and his victory march around the stage is like <laughs> like one of like triumphant defiance. He's like, this yeah. is now this is what you were you're supposed to be doing. I mean, I totally would have been that guy, right? Like, you, yeah, yeah. You know, In your face, first, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's basically like the, the, the loser took it in good spirits. I mean, you could see him laughing after at his kind of boneheaded move there. I mean, yeah, I mean, else? it's it's. It's definitely the guy strutting into the end zone, extending the the football behind him, and then dropping it before he crosses crosses the end zone. It was the esports Leon Lett moment. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so Christian, tell me, like, the, I feel like we are in the golden age of esports right now. It 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 feels so much fun to watch. I think we figured out how to broadcast them. Is there any? Do you have any concerns about it, or or you know, we should just relax and enjoy? Any concerns? How so? I don't I, understand. I mean, do you think there's a place it needs to go? Does it need to? Does it need to be refined in any other particular way, or or, or have we arrived? Is this is this fully esports in its own in its own heyday? Um, I think this is. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the correct analogy if it's comic books or not. A silver age. I don't think we've reached the pinnacle of, of what it will be. I think esports, um, for better or worse, being on in technology, will always see bigger shifts than football or soccer or something like that that is more locked to a changes are made to the rules certainly between each year and nfl and stuff like that and mlb adding replay but when something is linked to technology you're going to see i think bigger changes faster changes different games you know come up and take hold uh league and and heroes and and those games you know didn't exist what five years ago (laughs) and you know what i mean it's crazy Um, so I think we'll continue to evolve, but I think what we're, we are seeing in, in getting locked down, something like Evo, you know, has the structure figured out for how to do uh, a tournament that largely treats the competitors well. It's They've done a good job of figuring out how to make it engaging for fans, and I think that's the stuff that's going to be continued to build on, um, but those foundations are there of something that's engaging and awesome to watch, whereas before, um, some of the best matches, it seemed like, were in a corner <laughs> and you know no commentator on it and it's like how did you not know these are the two best players in the world but there was such ignorance on the people's parts throwing the tournament or hosting it or, or streaming it that there was no attention shown and and that is unfortunate but i don't know i think it's only going to get better but i i don't think we're in the backwoods anymore <laughs> am i am i wrong there no i think that's right I, I, would you agree with that jeff I totally agree. I mean, I think one thing one thing that we're seeing right now is we're seeing, I think, a cultural shift uh, away from you're watching people playing games online, you know, to sort of like, right. yes, that that's what we're doing. You know, sort of the the like, I can't believe this is a thing is now dying away as we all know it is a thing and it's actually fun to do. Um, right. I, I certainly was in that camp as well as everybody else. I think you sort of have to start experiencing it yourself to see how entertaining it can be. Uh, at first, just when you mentioned it to someone who doesn't know anything about it, you know, why would you watch someone else playing video games? That was a that was a meme that I think we're, we're seeing 
go away. Um, and also, I, I agree, Christian, that tech, you know, technologically, it's just getting a lot easier. It's getting more professional. Evo was certainly done professionally. The last few uh, League of Legends World Championships have, have been really well done. The one thing that, that I would like to see is uh, there still seems to be a lot of, especially if you're watching a game like League, there's still in the commentary a lot of kind of preaching to the converted or just sort of if you're watching a, an NFL game and a lot of the commentary and color commentary, you really sort of have to know already a whole lot about the rules, uh, which is one thing when it's football. But when it's something like League of Legends that a lot of people still don't know how to play or don't know what's going on, I would like to see a lot more either overlays like they do in the NFL now or or commentary that's geared to people who are just coming into watching something like this. It's not particularly newbie friendly, in my opinion, um, to yeah. watch a to watch a game like League and to be able to understand just turning it on what's going on. Like if I sat my wife down to watch the League of Legends tournament, even after half an hour, she would have no clue what she was looking at. Yeah, I, I think that's the real balance that they, they have to walk is is, you know, probably most of the people tuning in want that yeah. deeper level of discussion yes. because they already are the converted, right? Yes. But um, I think what Dota was doing during the their big international is they had two different Twitch streams with two different commentaries, and one of them was like newbie commentary that was a little more uh-huh. geared to people that didn't know what was going on. And I think that's a brilliant idea. That is brilliant. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I definitely, you know, as somebody who has, has put in a, an inordinate amount of time in Heroes of the Storm and has now gotten into watching those matches uh, pretty pretty frequently. Uh, you know, I, I definitely want that higher level talk. I want to know yeah, what talents sure. everybody are, is taking, but, but you're right. It needs to, it needs to have that balance of, you know, um, being welcoming to new players as well, because in order for it to grow, people have to understand what they're looking at. And, and it's harder to, to watch video games than, than human beings. You know, it's harder to understand what's going on when you don't have an actual human being on the, on the court to sort of identify with and, and, and you you have to understand how the game is played already. So well, I think yeah, some right. of that is is expectations, though, right? If you put your non football fan, NBA fan, or whatever wife, brother, sister, whomever, right in front of the couch to watch a conventional sports game, there's an expectation that they're able to follow along because this is a thing. And I think someone who doesn't get it might feel embarrassed to be like, "Wait, what's a nickel?" You know, I mean, they talk about deeper level stuff and those things too but i think it's just this is acceptable i sit here and watch it if i don't know what's happening i eat snacks and i ooh and awe at the big hits we're at esports um it's it's not as accepted that you will just watch it so i think it's you as the host feel a bigger obligation to try to over explain instead of just watching them letting them watch the cool hits and the big explosions and eating the snacks and having fun um and then i think part of it too is the the biggest difficulty is, I think, Jeff, you said, you know, with the human to relate to is that both things are important to relate to. In an NBA game, I'm watching LeBron and I'm not watching the person controlling LeBron. I don't care about a person controlling LeBron because there is no person <laughs> controlling LeBron. Whereas in a video game, I want to see what their wizard is doing, but I also want to see the person's face controlling the wizard because, you know, that's Jeff, the human connection. Yeah. It, it, well, and well, it's both things, right? Because I'm watching anguish and agony and struggle on this person controlling the avatar, but I'm also watching that in the avatar itself get flanked and moved and whatever. So it just requires more focus. But I think as it continues and the expectations um, are accepted that we watch these things, I think this problem of how do I get people to 
sit down and watch it will go away because it's just a party to watch this essentially big dumb thing because as a society we've evolved to have so much free time that we're not struggling to find food and housing that we find <laughs> things to fill the rest of our time with. <laughs> and it's just fun and sit down and have fun. Well, uh, to wrap this discussion up, I just want to congratulate a friend of the show who who was a guest on a few weeks ago, uh, J.C. Gluck, who is uh, Gillyweed. She uh, she was casting the the uh, North uh, American Open for uh, Here's the Storm and did a great job. So uh, I, I'm excited for to see people that we know getting into that role and doing it well and opening the game up to uh, new players as well. Uh, Christian, what is your story of the week? Man, Evo is so huge. Um, so, so, so huge. To me, the, the big story this week is the um, a continued backlash towards crowdfunded games, or this time it's Star Citizen. Uh, Derek Smart started to raise concerns, and he basically he canceled his pledge calling Star Citizen vaporware, which <laughs> I think is a catchy headline. It certainly um, got my attention. But he wrote a very long blog post talking about uh, his concerns over feature creep, um, the idea that key members of the staff left, and that the game that is being made now is no longer the game promised during its epic Kickstarter campaign. Um, And I know we talk about this, we've talked about this before, certainly, with what are you doing when you Kickstarter or back a game, but... um, my question to my fellow Jeffs, I also being a Jeff. Uh, <laughs> You're a Jeff in um, spirit. Jeff in spirit, exactly. My my spirit animal is a Jeff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, at what point do you guys think a crowdfunding game should stick to its original mission? And at what point do you think it should be able to become this big, huge monster and whatever it is, is going to be ultimately better? Like, does it... Fear of success? I'm trying to frame the question concisely. Um, is something like Star Citizen concerning to you that it's becoming big, huge, awesome, or would you have preferred it to have stuck to its original Kickstarter vision? Mr. Mr. Green, why don't you hit Green. that? I, I would say that, I mean, Godus is another example of that, right? I, I, I would say that uh, personally, I would prefer a more conservative approach. If it was my money, and I have not given money to any of these, not to uh, Star Citizen or uh, Shenmue or any of the others, but if, if it was my money, I would say, why don't you give us the thing you promised first and then get more ambitious? Like, there's absolutely, of course, there's nothing wrong with ambition and you want to see them, uh, you know, reach for the stars and what they're doing. But if that, if the end result of that is that nothing comes out, uh, I would not consider that money well spent on my part if I had <laughs> if I had invested in it. So, um, you know, I don't I think that Derek Smart had, um, you know, some of what he's saying has some merit. But of course, when you consider the source of Derek Smart, um, if, if you don't know who he is, uh, I don't mean you two, but, you know, in general out there, he has a long, notorious history in game development, including uh, for developing vaporware. So it's, uh, so it's kind of yeah. an irony of ironies that of all people, it's Derek smart who is kind of, uh, taking this flag and running with it. Or it um, takes one to no one. <laughs> or maybe it takes one to no one. Exactly. Maybe he knows better than anybody what's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, it's a, it's an interesting story. I, you know, I, I, the first 
video game, I think the first video game I've kickstarted, I just kickstarted Bard's Tale 4 because I'm just a sucker for Bard's Tale. Uh, and I hope that game comes out. I think they have a good track record. They put out uh, Wasteland Two, and and it you know was successful, and it kind of lived up to expectations. So I'm I'm pretty confident that that my first real video game backing it will be. Um, what what level? What level? Oh, uh, the basic. I think it was twenty bucks. I put in just 20 the bucks. game. Okay. I was saying how yeah. big of a fan of Bard's Tale was it? Bard's Tale for you. <laughs> Bard's Tale for Kanata. The, the first Bard's Tale was like the first role-playing game I ever really fell in love with and it just I think it it led to a whole lifestyle of playing those kinds of games and so it it has a very special place in my heart um so I'm very excited about that that project Star Citizen is is crazy uh you know the other story this week of course is uh you know Shenmue hitting the 6.3 million dollar mark which is three it's insane it's a new record um, but it also still well below what it takes to make a game that they're talking about making. So, you know, these things are encouraging in a lot of ways that these projects that might never have seen the light of day are, are going forward and, and becoming a reality, but what reality are we getting? And, and I think, um, as you guys have pointed out, you have to question the source on, on Derek Smart, uh, but also what has come out so far for Star Citizen isn't really the kind of thing that people are imagining. So it remains to be seen if star citizen is a huge flop, which I, I, I don't think it will be, but if it, if it turns out to be a major bust, I think that could really break crowdfunding in a, in a serious way. I think this is, it has been the poster child for so long at this point um, and has raised so much money that if they, if they mess it up, I think it could be disastrous for that entire model. Where are you on feature creep for this type? I mean, I think in games in general, that's an issue. But when it's non-crowdfunded, we maybe don't hear about it as much until the outrage of OMG multiplayer and Tomb Raider or get that out of here kind of thing. But I mean, in general, Kanata, where do you kind of come down on, um, you know, spending money making this big thing that maybe you ultimately want it to be? Or would you rather hold developers or um, Kickstarters? I don't know <laughs> what, the, what it is uh, to their original uh, disclosed promise. I definitely agree with Jeff in the sense of, uh, if you're, if you're creating something that's public facing at the start, you kind of have an obligation to create that thing that you said you were going to create, that you got people to, uh, give money to first and then move on from there. But I also kind of understand that video games are different than a lot of other creative endeavors. You know, there's no film script equivalent. You know, there's no there's no skeleton for a video game. It, it sort of is this weird, unwieldy thing that changes as you develop it and you realize, hey, on paper it sounded great that we were going to have this combat system where you do X, Y, and Z. But when we started building it, that didn't really work and it was it wasn't fun and now we have to change it, which is why – most video games that are successful, you don't hear about for a long, long time. And then when they finally, you know, surface, it's because they figured all that stuff out already. Um, so I, I'm conflicted, but I, I definitely side more with what Jeff was saying about give it, you know, deliver the game that you promised first and then add the first person shooter module and the 27 other things that you figured out that you want to make later. So. Yeah, it, it feels to me it, it, this whole thing i mean i've I've been bothered by the star citizen thing basically since it was announced and uh, you know i i feel it in a way that it's sort of like preying on the weak here that you've got 
with space sim and flight sim guys, you, here's a genre that's like been out of favor for a long, long time. And this is a genre that in particularly uh, appeals to guys who have a lot of disposable income, right? It's like <laughs> These are guys yeah. who will build like whole like, you know, cockpits in their living room and spend like tens of thousands of dollars on it. You know, to your, to your point earlier, Christian, that, you know, these are people who don't have to worry about food and shelter and now have a lot of time and money on their hands. And this genre has been under, underrepresented for a long, long time. So now you have one of the, you know, stalwart founding, like, you know, OG designers of this kind of game, Chris Roberts, coming back with his magnum opus, you know, amazing. This is going to be everything you ever wanted in the space sim. And some of these guys are pouring tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars into this project just on the on the promise of it. It feels like, you know, selling swampland to old people like they're just the more they hear, they're like, oh, my God, yes, I want that. too. Here's another ten thousand dollars. Meanwhile, there hasn't been one goddamn thing yet. You know, yeah. I, I sort of would like want them to put the brakes on and show something and stop taking money from these poor schlubs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you make a great point about selling the thing you can't get. It's like, oh, you want that thing that you can't get? Well, just give me money. I'll give you that thing you can't get. It's just right here in this little bottle. No, no worries. Um, right. And yeah. I mean, hopefully it'll come through and maybe it'll be amazing. I certainly don't want to see it fail. I don't want to see people have, you know, get burned by by that kind of money. But um, but I I think it would be it would be great if they could just sort of stop now and just yeah. like put something out. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of putting something out, uh, my story of the week is uh, very personal. It's probably not the biggest story of the week. It certainly isn't. But it's the biggest story to me, other than Evo, uh, is the announcement that one of my very favorite games on the PS3 is getting remade and being put out on the PS4. And that game is Odin Sphere. Uh, if people remember back when I was doing the Totally Rad show, I think Odin Sphere was the only PS3, no, excuse me, PS2 game. Excuse yeah, me, PS2. PS2 yeah. yeah, PS2 game that we ever reviewed. And uh, even on the PS2, the game had a lot of issues. Uh, it would slow down, especially in later sections of the game, it would slow down badly and have all these kind of hiccups. It kind of... It, it was it was a game that that needed more processing power than it had available on PS2. So I am so thrilled. Uh, this is an Aldus release uh, that was a 2D hand drawn giant sprites, really colorful characters that uh, you you walked around this like spherical world and you could garden and fight things. Uh, man, it was a great game, and I am so thrilled that they're remaking it and putting it on PS3, PS4, and Vita. Um, did you play this game, Jeff? I did not play this game. This was one uh, that I, I know what it is, but I didn't play it. This was when that came out, I was in the middle of all of my heavy duty PC RPG days. Right. So I missed it, but I understand your enthusiasm. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Christian? Did you, uh, did you ever play Odin Sphere? No, uh, this game was always far too big and far too intimidating for me. I know it, it uses a little bit of, um, Norse mythology in it and that almost got me interested but um I, I had a friend that loved it and it you know it's current goat status <laughs> uh even with yeah I didn't know about technical problems but yeah I understand why you're excited I, I know it sold better than expected but I also know it wasn't um I mean it's not Final Fantasy 7 right right but it I mean I, I would put it in my 
probably top five PS2 games, and that's saying something. I I I loved it. I really loved it, and it was such such a shame that it had those technical problems because you had to sort of forgive it those things. And I'm I'm guessing that with the you know bigger processors of these uh, systems now, you can you can get around that. And they're saying it's going to have um, extra stuff and and uh, updates and new modes and stuff. So. I'm going to keep a, a firm eye on, on where this goes because uh, it was a great game. So keep an eye out for that. Um, okay, we do need to thank our, our sponsor. And we have a new sponsor this week I'm really excited to tell you guys about. Uh, this is simple.com slash DLC. This is online banking made simple. That's why they call themselves simple, simple.com. I have been so frustrated in my life with my banking solutions. Oh my gosh. Fees constantly show up on my bill that I don't understand. I don't know why they happened. Why am I getting nickel and dimed for fees? I'm always having to worry about which ATM I'm going to because I don't want to pay fees there. Simple makes it simple. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And Simple is a great way to save for things. They have this entire built-in system that helps you save. So let's say, Christian, I know uh, you and I are both excited about Fallout 4. It was our E3 game of the show. We're probably going to have to save up to buy that game because, uh, you know, it's coming out this fall. So we have some time in advance. If we were using simple.com slash DLC, what we could do is we could set up a goal that says, I want to buy Fallout 4 on release day. You, you pick the date. And then you tell Simple how much the game is going to cost. And what Simple does is it does the math for you and it tells you what you need to save every day. And you can have it automatically calculate all that stuff out for you and build it into your budget. So you have this really cool app that you use that can plan it all out. And so you know how much you need to save each day. And if it's it, it can break down to just a dollar or so and you can go, oh, well, that's how much I need to not spend today to make sure I can buy Fallout 4 when it arrives on release day. It also has this cool safe-to-spend feature where you can b- build out all these little buckets of things that you spend every month, your bills, all your cool stuff, all the things that you need to, to, to buy. And it reserves that money every month, and then it shows you, updated on your app, what's safe to spend. So you never have to worry about going past your budget because it gives you a running tally of what's safe to spend after you've already paid off all your monthly bills. This is great, but that's not even the best part. Dude, the best part is that there's no fees. There are no fees. There's no fees to using ATMs. They have 55,000 fee-free ATMs across the country. They have no fees for... uh, uh, no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, no monthly account maintenance fees... Nothing. That's insane. I, I, that is right there the most <laughs> dramatic reason to use this this online baking system. Simple.com slash DLC. You can sign up now. It's, uh, it's branchless bake, banking. Uh, it's all online. And it's really smart. It helps you be smart about your money. It helps you save for things that you want to save for. And there's no fees. So you're going to have more money at the end. Banks have collected $30 billion in overdraft fees this year. That's insane. Stop it. Let's stop that. 
let's get away from these these crazy banks and use online banking with simple.com slash DLC. I'm excited to have them as a sponsor. They're a new sponsor. You'll probably hear me talk about them uh, a lot because I'm enthusiastic about this. Simple.com slash DLC. Sign up now. Uh, all right, guys. Um, you know what? I think we have a few more stories here, but I think I want to get to uh, the playlist because... Boy, we have a lot of really great games to talk about. So let's do that. We'll get right now to the playlist. Well, I think all three of us have been playing uh, one particular game, Rocket League. Uh, Jeff, is that where you'd like to start with your playlist? Sure. Uh, that game is ridiculous. That game should not... <laughs> That game should not be good, right? It, it, <laughs> right. On paper, it sounds like the worst thing ever. But it's, yeah. it's I don't know how they did it. They pulled off something kind of magical here. It's, it's kind of uh, simplistic, right? You, you, on the surface of it, it it's, it's a dumb idea that, like, why do I want to play soccer with cars? That sounds right. dumb. <laughs> then when you think about it a little longer, you're sort of like, why wouldn't I want to play soccer with cars? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um and uh, I don't know about you guys, but it took me a while to get a hang of the controls. Like, I really sucked for, like, a good long time. Like, I, I consistently found myself on the other end of the field than, like, every other car uh, just trying to navigate it. Maybe that has to do with being old. I don't know. I feel like I'm getting a grip on it now. But uh, one thing I love about this game, and I think it's the same way I felt about uh, a feel about Helldivers, is, like, it's just pure joy, this game. Like, I am always laughing and smiling when I'm playing Rocket League, uh, even when I'm sucking. It's just such a ridiculously great concept. Do you think uh, that that is because of the level of chaos that's always happening? Like, as you can be good at the game, but there's always a level of chaos that you just can't account for. I definitely think that's part of it, for sure. Right. And I, I think it's also just like the concept never gets old like it's not you know there's a lot of games where the concept is is goofy like that like i, I think goat simulator is a good idea a good example of this right like that was fun for one day um but then you're like okay well that was funny and well done you know uh, congratulations on a great joke but ultimately it was kind of a one-trick pony whereas this game continues to kind of surprise and you start discovering there is skill involved and you can get better uh and yet it remains ridiculous throughout so that's a really super fun game. Yeah, it it, it is almost – the experience that I had with it almost exactly mirrors my experience playing real soccer when you're like six and everybody <laughs> is just on a big clump following the ball around, you know, and that's just how <laughs> you play soccer. And then at a certain point you realize, oh, no – you know, you get a little older and you understand, oh, no, maybe we need to stand in our positions and passing the ball is a good thing and, like, coordinating as a team is a good thing. And then it's just all of that on a very accelerated evolutionary scale, you know? That's a perfect analogy. Yeah, and I think I'm probably still in the six-year-old phase. I'm just trying to, like, follow the ball and the other players around. But I'm having a great time doing it. Uh, Christian, what is your experience with Rocket League? Well, my question to Mr. Green is, are, are you driving like an 88 Cadillac? Is that the car you're using also? Um, how old man status are you? In? <laughs> it's, a, it, it's an Edsel that I'm using. Oh, great, great. With the handicap placard, you get to hang <laughs> yeah, at the exactly. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, did either of you play um, the, the first one, Supersonic, 
acrobatic rocket powered battle cars or S-A-R-P-B-C. No. No? no. Um so I mean this this game, Rocket League is 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 great. It's super fun. It's well done. I've had a little bit of um lag, which I know isn't on my end. I don't know if you guys have experienced that at all. Like I have a very fast internet going uh over here right now. I've had a few little hiccups. I don't know if it's in their their server code or not. But I feel like if this game had come out um, around the time of NBA Jam or NFL Blitz. I mean, it is that kind of game to yes. me where this would have been the N64 dorm room party game, dream, whatever it is, right, where people are sitting around. And I think it's a shame that the first one I played a little bit of um, had such a horrible name. <laughs> um, and I'm glad this game is getting hype and, and talked about now because I think far too often sometimes great games will launch as free on either games for gold or this is currently free for PlayStation Plus members and I feel like people sometimes sweep those under the rug and don't give them the attention they otherwise deserve but it's um, I think Jeff you guys both said it well where it's easy to pick up and play the controls are gas brake jump essentially oh I guess and drift and boost but simple car driving stuff but as you learn the physics of your car um, and learn to when to switch your camera view from chasing or focusing on the ball to focusing on your car, um, respecting when your teammate is doing something. Uh, <laughs> I was playing a little this morning and the number of times like I'm going for a shot and just get broadsided by someone on my own team. It's like, what are you doing? Um, it's that six year old who's like out of control, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or 53 year old. one one of the two but it's uh what i like about this game over supersonic is um the single player is more fun i think where you're kind of playing against bots that see the ai um for the you know maybe hour or two i've put into single player um is intelligent and it's fun and if you just want to sit down and i know i'm i'm only going to have a little bit to play and i don't want to worry about a disconnect um i can just hop down and, and work through um, the season or even just do a quick game. Jeff, I thought you tweeted because people were tweeting at us to play this game. And I think someone said it was the best game ever. I'm sure they were using hyperbole, but Kanata, I thought you tweeted back to them. I disagree. Do you not I do like disagree. it? I disagree. It's the best game ever. Well, they, they didn't it was the mean best that mu- seriously. They I said it was think. the best multiplayer experience of all time, I think was their exact words. And I, I, I said I don't agree with that statement, but it's a lot of fun. I think, for me, the level of chaos prevents it from being a game that I will try to get better at, right? It's a game that I can jump into, have a blast. And, yeah, some of the skill stuff, like the first time that I realized you can do a header, you know, like the way that they've managed to get soccer concepts into this car game is pretty amazing. Like how you can, you know, jump and then rotate your car in a on its axis and do a header (laughs) i was like the first time i realized i could do that i was like oh this is kind of amazing but as far as thinking it's the greatest multiplayer game of all time i i don't i think that the level of chaos for me just gets in the way a little bit of of feeling like a coordinated group you know there's there's a lot of fun to be had with that chaos i definitely agree with that but it feels much more like a casual experience to me than you know Heroes of the Storm, which is the multiplayer experience of choice for me. Where were you on games like Blitz or NBA Jam? I mean, does it is this triggering any nostalgia fun in that, or are those games a little too um, 
not no, I, skill based enough, like rubber bandy to have kept those from being all time faves. I love, you know, I think that's, those are great examples of, of comparable games where in both cases, I love jumping, especially NBA jam. I, I played hours and hours of NBA jam, you know, local co-op, local, uh, multiplayer sitting in the, in the bedroom of my buddy, you know, right after school someday. Um, but it, it, those were never games that they weren't like Street Fighter for me. You know, Street Fighter was a was a game that I wanted to get better at. NBA Jam was a game where you know, yeah, I'll try to be on fire and hit the three pointer, but I, you know, it was just a silly fun. And I kind of feel like Rocket League's in in that category for me, which I don't mean to be super detrimental. I, I still think it's a blast and and a really wildly inventive concept, which is to be congratulated too. Yeah, I, I think in, in all those, in the case of all those games, NBA Jam and now uh, Rocket League, it, it is probably a game that if you if you took it very seriously, you could probably get great at it, right? And right, uh, yeah. I'm sure that's already happening. There's probably a lot of great Rocket League players. Like I can't imagine that uh, that I would ever have the time or energy to make myself be great at it. But it but it's fun every time, even while sucking. The same the same way that uh, NBA Jam is in games like that. Like they're just great party games the great pick up and play games with friends um and you can never have too many of those and and i think you know like Keldavers again this is just another great example of how in in some cool ways uh a lot of gaming has become so democratized that way that it it, you know wasn't really that many years ago that that a, a game like this would would not have been able to get the visibility that it's getting now um uh, in the face of all the triple A's that used to get all the attention. So the fact that a, a smaller game like this can come along with really not a whole lot of uh, uh, press beforehand or, or any hype and just kind of take over uh, gamers' imagination for at least a little bit of time, I think it's still on the front page of NeoGAF after a few weeks here, which is, yeah. which is pretty great for a small game like this. I think that's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. I think I saw a tweet from Rocket League saying that they had 164,000 concurrent players, which, man, kudos to them. That's that's great. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Um, and I think kudos to Sony for putting it on PS Plus and making it a free download also. I think that really helped with, with word of mouth and playability too. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff, what else, what else is on your playlist? Jeff. G- that's you. Yes, Jeff, Jeff G. Excuse Jeff. me. Yes, sorry. Uh, what else is on my playlist? Uh, that's a good question. Well, one that's always on my playlist, unfortunately, is Hearthstone. Uh, yeah, I, I've been horrendously addicted to that basically since it came out. And uh, people who know me know that I've I, I have had a love hate relationship with that thing. I think I've uninstalled it and reinstalled it about four or five different times now, um, <laughs> <laughs> because for whatever reason. I don't, and I still haven't really figured it out. That game r- makes me rage more than any other video game. Really? Uh, yeah, it just does. I can't stand to lose, especially if I'm playing ranked. And it, 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 I mean, it's no different than any other card game ever. But for some reason, it bothers me in Hearthstone more than any other game in that so much is luck of the draw, right? I mean, obviously yeah. skills involved, obviously. And the best players are the best players for a reason. But what 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 gets me is when I know I'm playing somebody that I'm better than. I can just tell from their play, but I lose anyway because I'm not drawing a darn thing I need. Yeah, uh, and and that just drives me crazy. But uh, but I still love the game, and uh, I think uh, Tavern Brawl has been a fantastic addition to the game. 
Um, but I, so I think brilliant. so, so smart of, of Blizzard to add a mode that lets us still do our daily quest. So it, it quote unquote counts for something, but, uh, it, it's less boring than casual. Uh, and it doesn't ruin your ranking. And I guess more importantly, most importantly, it's adding new rules and new fun variations to the game every single week. There's like something new to look forward to. Um, yeah. And you kind of get a sense, at least I feel sort of a sense of joy, even, you know, especially at the beginning, the first couple of days when we're all on an evil, you know, even playing field and no one really knows what's going on yet. Um, like it doesn't hurt to lose because it's so silly. The mode is so ridiculous at first. Right. Um, of course, then I get more competitive as the week of Tavern Brawl goes on and then I'm rage quitting by the end of it. <laughs> that's, that's my own problem. <laughs> yeah, it, it just seems like they're just scratching the surface w- with what they can do with that mode, too. It, it, it really is sky's the limit of these wacky rule sets and wacky decks that can be thrown at you and strange cards and stuff. I just think it, it, it really the, – the thing that they've done so smartly, I think, with Hearthstone from the beginning – is understanding the advantage that they have as a digital game and not, you know, I loved the Magic the Gathering digital versions, but they were always hamstrung by being tied to this physical thing. And the fact that that Blizzard understood that they have this digital format and they can take things really wacky and create variation on the fly and throw things at you dynamically, it's so smart and it makes things so fun and so different and it constantly evolves the game. It's, It's so cool. Yeah, it's really ridiculous. I mean, Blizzard has a history of doing this, but that they were able to come in and, you know, after Magic has been around for forever and basically just, you know, eat eat Watsy's lunch on yeah. collectible card games on a digital format. Like, there's almost no excuse that it went down that way, uh, but it did. And now you see uh, Magic trying to play catch-up with their new mode, which I've downloaded, but I haven't played it yet. Uh, but from what I can see, it looks like they took some of their cues from Hearthstone, which is for sure. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did the same thing with EverQuest, right? They went in and went, oh, EverQuest has been ruling this space. We'll just uh, create the biggest hit ever and take away yeah. all of that. Ugh, crazy. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about because I saw on your Twitter feed also you were talking about oculus rift and i know people get a little tired of me hyping up vr but we're going to talk about it a little bit because you just got your hands on it or your face on it i should say uh Mm -hmm. recently so tell me what your experience was was trying out oculus rift for the first time sure and this wasn't the first time i ever tried it out but this is the first time that i've ever been lucky enough to have one in my house so where i can kind of control the experience more and spend Uh, more than like three minutes at a time with it uh so i had tried it before but but, you know, just for context, I'm somebody that has been skeptical of, of VR, um, not not overall as like a thing that I think is going to be important to the future of humankind, but just sort of as a gaming platform. It has it. it I've been skeptical because I'm always skeptical of any technology where we have to, like, buy extra things that I feel like are going to end up in our closet a month later once the once the novelty wears off. And uh, obviously, VR is a, is a more exponential leap than, say, move controllers. I, I get that. But still, I felt like, well, I, I'm not ready to call this the, the second coming yet because it just seems too early to do that. And, and even after, I should say, even after having this weekend with the Oculus, I still feel like it was kind of odd that so much of E3 was about VR when it does still feel to me like we're just not there yet. Like, for gaming, for retail gaming experiences. It doesn't, it seems, still seems too early to me. But 
Having said all that, I will say that uh, I, I spent a bunch of this weekend downloading different uh, demos that Oculus has on their site, and I'm way more sold on it now than I was. Um, there's, what specific demos did you did you try? Um, I should have made a list beforehand, but I didn't. Uh, there was some of them. Actually, most of them were non-gaming. I have to say, but there was one where. Uh, do you know them well? If I describe it, if I say it's the one where you do the thing, you know maybe I, I, I need to be a little a more specific that than that. Than that, than that. <laughs> that doesn't do it for you. Not quite. Um, there's one where you're 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 supposed to be sitting in a chair, and the the scene just keeps shifting to different environments. So it's at one point you're in outer space. At one point you're on the top of a, a skyscraper scaffolding. At one point you're uh, like in the center of an atom. Uh, so it keeps shifting. It's kind of a psychedelic experience in a way. And um, and you're not doing anything with your hands. So it's strictly just a visual thing. But, um, but you know, you can turn around 360 degrees in real space and you're seeing different things. Uh, that, that was a demo that particularly uh, sold me on the technology. I, I played, uh, in terms of a game, I played, I'm sorry, I just don't have both in front of me, but basically it was like a, a mech-type shooter uh, where you could uh, sort of rocket jump up to higher levels, uh, so that was an interactive one. I played a motorbike game, which was which was kind of odd because I was expecting that I would be in the uh, I, I was expecting it would be first person. Actually, it was like a side scroller, but it was like a <laughs> VR side scroller. But it still the the VR still did add something to it. But um, and and the other thing that I did this weekend was I showed it to my uh, wife and my daughter and my daughters boyfriend and these were all people who had never experienced any vr whatsoever in their lives and all three of them unanimously were completely blown away and wanted one well, your so, daughter's your daughter's boyfriend would say that just regardless like yes sir uh this seems fantastic <laughs> well sure he just right <laughs> you like it sir i like it too <laughs> <laughs> well i think that's what's so encouraging and also uh the challenge because it, it really re- requires people to try it in order to understand that they might like it. it it looks so dorky and it you know it's such a hard sell in that way i think but but it's encouraging that even people who aren't necessarily you know in the know uh i liked it and are, were were taken by it because i i'm so enthusiastic i really think it's the future and i i'm so excited by the possibilities of it Wh- where does your skepticism come from is it just because it is so unwieldy as an object on your face or is it actually so. the experience inside that you're no, wondering? Well, okay. On, on the latter, I would say it's that I think most of us, my experience and everybody I know has tried it, including um, in my family this weekend, like you can't wear it for that long before it starts getting super disorienting. Right. So I think that's one thing they need to figure out or maybe it, they don't, maybe it just gets accepted as something that you just don't do this for like two hours at a time unless you want to go insane. Um, uh, and then, but then, yeah, it's a lot of the practical stuff that I don't know if it's figured out yet. And I just worry about it, you know, like, you know, what is the price point going to be? Are we really going to have these in our house? So how's it work when you've got three people over at your house and only one person can actually use this thing at a time? You know, how does it work as like a, a party device? I mean, I'm sure these are things that all the smart people who are working on all this tech are thinking about every day. So I'm not... I know I'm not coming up with anything new here, but I just wonder how it's going to really work in, in practically as a retail device. And then I do think about all the other things that have kind of come and gone. I mean, you know, 3D TVs and all that, that was supposed to be the big thing a few years ago. And now 
where's that at? And I know that this is different. This is fundamentally a different, way more profound experience than 3D TV. So I'm not saying that they're equal. What I am saying is that anytime we get away in terms of the gaming world, anytime we get away from like traditional controllers and traditional experience, it hasn't always been kind of the revolution that everybody thinks it is, is going to be like mm-hmm. motion control. Yeah. Is that yeah. too skeptical? Am I too being too old man Luddite for you guys? Well, no, I, I mean, I think Christian would, would tend to side with your side. I, I've, I'm much more um, fantasy rainbows, unicorns. Uh, I, I think it, <laughs> it sucks that we went through the motion control and 3d TV steps to get here because i think if those hadn't happened i think everybody would be way more on board with this i think there's a like uh, a boy who cried wolf element that is unfortunate because i think this is actually the real wolf i think this is this is the thing we've been waiting for and those were just sort of half steps in a kind of novelty way and yeah. and i i'm in i'm in 100 percent. but that's just hey, me hey canada in that story you don't want the wolf to come wait what <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the story about welcoming a wolf into your family of sheep and all having a great time playing video games together isn't that right uh, i guess the books i read my daughter are just all wrong i gotta go throw them all out <laughs> and, and i'm not i'm not like on the other side of what you're saying jeff like especially like, like i said at the beginning now that i have one and been able to try different things like i've definitely been able to say like okay this is super cool but a lot of what I sort of felt this weekend, and I, and I, I did tweet about it, is I feel like there's going to be a lot of non-gaming use for this that seems also extremely cool, um, like travel, you know, or the idea yeah. that you could climb Mount Everest with this thing in your living room. You know, that kind of thing could be just really a neat experience. Until, um, until my wife walks in and I'm on top of the couch going, I did it! I climbed Everest. <laughs> yeah, that might be uh, grounds for divorce. <laughs> um, Christian, what about you? What's on your playlist, man? So Rocket League has uh, taken up a, a good chunk of my time. Um, I, I've been diving into, I don't know if people have been seeing the poster posters. Golly, I am having a hard time talking. Uh, following pictures I posted on Instagram or whatnot, but I've been kind of on a retro kick recently where I got in. I talked about it last week, I believe, 8-Bit-O um, wireless Bluetooth controller that is, um, for all intents and purposes, a NES controller, but it, it syncs up to uh, the Retron, and, and um, as far as I can tell, lag is non-existent um, for playing retro games, which is important. And then this past weekend, I was uh, out of town, so I had my 3DS, and I was playing... Um, I love the old Game Boy Color games um, on the virtual console. So I, I was playing, oh man, Wario World 2. Is that the one? I believe it's a treasure game and you can't die. So I'll let you, I'll let you Jeff's pick. I will talk about Aladdin on Genesis, Lion King on the Super Nintendo, or the Wario game that I will look up and know the actual name of. Which one, only one, I'm going to keep playing all of these. Which one would you like me to talk about today? Mr. Green, why don't you pick? I, well, I got to go with Wario personally. Okay. Did you play uh, these games, Mr. Green? I played Wario games, but I can't remember if the one you're describing is the one, is one of the ones I played. So I honestly... <laughs> Perfect. So um, Wario had a large library of games back on the Game Boy. And what what's so fascinating about, for a time, I feel like Wario was an evolution of platforming that you know, Nintendo published games were taking where now Wario, I would say is largely just this 
slapstick villain. Don't get me wrong, WarioWare are fantastic games as well and fun and innovative, but it's not pushing a strategy um, or testing new ideas where I felt like back in the day, Wario was almost um, like the S-cycle iPhone, if that makes sense. It's like, here's this new tech. It's the same basic thing. It's a side-scroller, but let's try this. Let's try this idea, and if we like some of it, You'll see more of it in some of our mainstream games. I think Kirby was that for a little bit, too. Um, so I'm frantically going to Google to see which actual Wario it was. But it's Game Boy Color. I think it's Wario Land 2, I believe. And what's so interesting about it is you can't die, which is really cool in a concept, especially for a game so old where it's a platformer, but you're not trying to stay on the platforms per se, right? You're Wario. You want to get your money back. And it's all about a loop progression in a game that came out back in 98 or something like that. And taking a, a, a classic side-scrolling game, which almost every game was back in the day, right? Lion King, Aladdin, um, first-person shooters didn't exist really on the Genesis or Super NES. There was Doom and stuff like that too. But to take this core concept that for so long was trying to survive from left to right and making it a puzzle mechanic where you're trying to solve a level with as much loot and gold as possible, I think is incredible. I don't know, Kanata, do you have any love for retro games or is some of this yeah, Christian sure. waxes poetically on the evolution of, of games lost on you? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's not lost on me a little bit, but it, it, it's, you know, I'm certainly in the newest, latest, best camp, but I, I, I definitely have nostalgia for those games. My my wonder when you go back and play them is, do do they hold up? Do, is it just a walk down memory lane, or are you actually having real now-time fun? Real now-time fun. So it's Wario Land 2 is is the game. It was Game Boy Color, and it had the year right. It was 98. Um, and it's real now-time fun. That's what I think of, makes these retro games especially platformers, still fun today and something I can wholeheartedly recommend. I, I think it was you know several months ago now I talked about Super Mario Land 2, also a virtual console boy, virtual console boy, <laughs> a virtual console Game Boy game. Um, and that also was a game where Nintendo took risks and in, in how um, level progression happened that you later saw in Mario World and now even in 3D Land with some options as to how you, you solve the ultimate game. And platformers hold up extremely well because you don't need complex AI to get through a level. Something like, I think, Portal will hold up very well going forward because sure. it's, the graphics are clean enough to convey what's happening and the joy of solving will always be there. Whereas I don't know if Turok will hold up as well. <laughs> Turok wasn't great in its day. Yeah, I don't think it held up for the first week. <laughs> well, I will fight you both in a horrible mist to argue that claim. I think Turok was great. But um, so Wario Land 2, just to get back quickly on this game, and then we can move on to the current century. Um, I would really recommend people play it. It's in color. The graphics are bright. The sprites are big enough. You can see what's going on. You have a dash and a jump. And again, like I said, you can't you can't get hurt, which is so, so cool. So I think if you like kind of a game like Ori, which it does have a life death. But if you like some of these current Metroidvania or even Rayman games or some of these newer platformers, I think it's really cool to go back and play some of these older games that showed hints as to what's coming with secret areas. Certainly were done in Metroid as well, but how they're discovered and how level design hints at that there is something behind that door or behind that wall. 
which I think this game does incredibly well, especially for being a Game Boy Color game, where now far too often it's, you know, Call of Duty gets the blame for it, but it's, you know, the arrow points you this way or follow this guy or follow McGovern or, you know, whatever you're doing. And it's this really interesting progression to see how that started and how you started seeing, like in Left 4 Dead, a game will highlight based on color to try to force you a certain way, but you feel like you're discovering it. And I think Wario Land 2 shows some early promise of that where it's like, hey, why is this? Oh, I can dash through here. And now I got all these coins and the sense of accomplishment that comes with that and something that Nintendo is still doing a lot of now with um, their platformers where, yes, you can beat the game by finishing the level. But the real, quote unquote, joy of something like Tropical Freeze is the super difficult challenge right. of collecting all the bananas or all the collectibles um so anyway if you have a little bit of time yeah. on your hand you're maybe away from your console check it out super fun warrior land it's interesting 2. you know i i much more prefer games that are sort of uh, inspired by those uh, um shred alex in the chat asked if uh, i ever went back and play ultima 7 uh which is i have said many times is my favorite game of all time um, and I have because they've made those, uh, it's GOG has it now. You can play it on modern systems. I have a little bit. I haven't like played through the entire game again. Um, but it's not, I don't say Ultima seven is my favorite game of all time because of how it makes me feel now. It just, the way it made me feel then can't ever be topped, you know? So I much prefer games like divinity or, um, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the Baldur's gate game that came out recently. Um, gosh, Brain's not working. But uh, I much prefer games that are made now, but inspired by those old concepts that I just, I just, that's what I prefer than, than really going back. But that's just me. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, a game on my uh, playlist. I, I started playing The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, and I'm a few hours into it. Uh, do you guys know about this game? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's really different. Um, I don't know if it's out yet, but I got to play uh, an early version of it on PS4. It is uh, an adventure game, a, a mystery, very pulp sort of thriller mystery. Uh, and there is no combat of any kind, no explosions of any kind. It is a first-person game where you're investigating. You're kind of this um, psychic, I guess. You, you are a... a, a crack investigator of many many um mysteries and you've come to your final mystery which is the fact that this little boy named ethan carter disappeared and you have to find them and the very first thing that happens when you turn on this game it says uh, the vanishing of ethan carter is a game that doesn't hold your hand and then you're like in the game uh which is cool that's kind of an intriguing way to start but you, you're just kind of wandering around this really beautifully rendered world it's it's quite striking it it reminds me of what i thought alan wake was going to be uh i I really liked alan wake uh but alan wake turned out to be much more of an action game than i think they originally advertised it as when it was first announced it really seemed more like you're going to be inside a stephen king novel and you're investigating in a city and and there was a little of that in alan wake but it turned into you know shoot the mysterious shadows with a shotgun and shoot them with light this is more kind of the original promise of that, where there's there's no action. It's just figuring stuff out and using your brain and using your strange psychic powers to 
piece together what what happened and you kind of wander around and you find things and you see things and there's little things in the environment that have text over them and you can kind of concentrate on those things and they'll show you they'll have a like a rift in your vision that opens up and show you a vision of where that thing may have been before and then you kind of can take that thing and put it where it was and and reconstruct uh, the crime scene, and then once you've got it all reconstructed, you can put together a complete vision, and then you're inside the vision of the past, and you have to piece together what happened in the right chronology to find out to kind of find out what happened. It's really interesting and really cool. It kind of reminds me of the same experience I had playing Her Story, which I talked about a few weeks ago on iPad, um, where the game really asks you to use your brain and think about what happened, and and it doesn't doesn't spell things out you sort of have to just sit in it and it's it's slow paced and in interesting and it's really all about piecing together that story and and thinking about that story and having the interactivity of of storytelling come to the fore um so that's the vanishing of ethan carter i played it on ps4 i think it's also available on pc uh, if not yeah, already but then steam. yeah it's been on steam yeah oh has it yeah uh-huh have you played it I have played it. I didn't finish it, uh, but I pretty much agree with everything you said. I mean, it, it, it looks beautiful. It actually reminded me a lot just in terms of atmosphere, especially at the beginning of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got kind of like that Pacific Northwest, vaguely spooky, uh, woodsy kind of feel to it um, and this overarching mystery going on. Um, and, yeah, it's a very atmospheric. It's a very different experience um, that I think they – they do really well. Even the the interface, the way that the these, you know, the the things you describe, like the 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 puzzles and the memories and things, it's all it's all it's a really well done game. It, it's, I'm finding it actually hard to describe. You did a way better job of doing it. <laughs> it's just one of those things. I think you just have to kind of experience. It's like, um, yeah, because there's no combat. It's it's basically just it's it's mostly puzzle solving, I guess. Uh, but just in this incredibly beautifully rendered environment, um, which yeah. makes it sound more boring than it is. It's actually not boring yeah. at all. It, it, it's it's pretty creepy. I found it very interesting. I, I'm still, uh, you know, only a few hours in. Um, in our chat here, A7 says that the game is very intriguing at first for the first few hours, and then it gets crazy in a bad way. So I guess I haven't gotten to the it gets ah. crazy part, but um, but I'll you know I'll take his word for it. I'm I'm curious to see where it goes from here. Um, but again, that's called The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Uh, I've also been playing uh, Warhammer 40K Death Watch, which is the new uh, iPad. I think it's also on Android. Uh, but it's the first iOS game to use Unreal Engine 4. Uh, and this is this is basically XCOM Lite in, in the oh, wow. Warhammer 40K universe. It's, it's XCOM without all of the base um, management stuff. So... Okay. It's just the combat of XCOM. It's all turn-based. You're, you know, you're a bunch of space marines uh, trying to survive against crazy aliens, and you have action points, and you spend them to either move or attack, and you can upgrade your dudes. And it's, it's very much that, that XCOM format, which is a good format, and I dig that game. And uh, it looks pretty. It's, um, it's an interesting perspective. It's like directly top-down. So I, I kind of prefer the like three quarter isometric perspective, but this is like directly on top of the dude. So it's like a big head with little arms sticking out from underneath it, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but it still looks really good. There's, it's a massive game too. There are so many chapters of it, 
But it's been the game that I'm sort of, uh, you know, lying in bed and fire up and I can play a couple of missions of before I go to bed. Uh, and it's really, really, really well done. I am very impressed with it. I think it's only five bucks on uh, on iOS. Uh, that's Warhammer 40K Death Watch. That's that great. Jeff, yeah. did you play uh, XCOM on iOS as well? Only a little bit. I had played through it. I played so much of it on console yeah. um, that I didn't actually. I just played it a little on on iPad to see if they pulled it off, gotcha. you know, and was kind of impressed with how well it translated to that to that system. But I never played it deeply on on iPad. Okay, yeah. My question was was just going to be how well it uh, how well they they managed to pull it off versus XCOM on on iOS because it is a hard system to kind of get. Um, yeah, but you know, the turn-based thing kind of works well with a touch screen cause you can, you know, you can yeah. tap your dude and tap where he needs to go and, and, uh, you're not, there's no real time pressure of manipulating your, your tablet in a weird way. You can sort of take your time and in the same way that, you know, Hearthstone works well uh, on that. Yes. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's get to our, uh, Q's and A's. We, uh, every week we pick a Q from you, the audience, and we give our A's. So uh, this cue comes from Matthias. I hope I pronounced that correctly. He's from Berlin. And uh, he says, the last couple of weeks we've had the announcement that Halo 5 Guardians won't feature split-screen multiplayer and the release and instant success of Rocket League, which we talked about a lot today, uh, a soccer game with rocket-powered RC cars, and more importantly, the ability to play split-screen with up to four players even if you play online. How come AAA publishers don't support split-screen? and for the most part, local multiplayer gaming anymore. I think it is evident that gamers love local multiplayer, and it's not just a vocal minority. Gamers actually respond with their wallets to good local multiplayer. One of the big draws of Call of Duty was the four-player screen. Uh, it was pretty much the only way to relive the glorious GoldenEye and Time Splitters days. But uh, after Black Ops 2, they reduced it to only two players, and suddenly sales went down drastically. I know there are other reasons for the sales drop, but I honestly think that losing four-player split screen he said easily, uh, played a considerable part, and no one ever talked about it. On the other hand, indie games embrace couch multiplayer and wildly succeed in doing so. Examples include Towerfall, Samurai Gun, and Rocket League. So aside from sports games, why do AAA games abandon multiplayer? So what do you think, Jeff? What, how do you feel about split-screen multiplayer, and why do you think it's, it's no longer a thing? I think he has a great question there, and I don't know if I have a good answer. I mean, personally, I don't ever do that, but I I get why people do it, and I don't know why you would take out a feature um, that is so popular. Yeah, I mean, other than budgetary reasons, which probably is the reason, um, mm, yeah. because it, it usually is the reason for everything in, in game development, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, sports is obvious that you would do it there. Um, Halo, I know that watching my nephew, that's how he played it all the time with split screen with his friends. Um, I don't, do you guys play that way? Cause I never have. That's a, ever? That's, well, not never. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess as I've gotten older, it's happened less and less because I just am, I'm in the same room with other gamers less frequently. Um, you know, when you're in college or younger, it, it seems like in order to play games, everybody has to be in the same room. Uh, and now I just prefer, you know, because I have my own house and I want to play games, I get online. Um, yeah, well, that's sort of my problem now. I mean, you know, my kid is 
is now in college. And so it's just me and my wife. And, you know, she's not a gamer. I actually tried to get her to play uh, a fighting game with me recently because we were we were arguing in real life. <laughs> and, I thought, and I thought, you know, why don't let's like hit each other on screen. As a I'll way let Chun Lee handle this. <laughs> exactly. But I, it was almost more for her. And I, I mean this. I wanted her to get a chance to like get her aggressions out on me in that way rather than hit me in, in real life because she would probably hit hard. Did it work? Uh, so, no, she kept apologizing every time she hit me in the game. And I was like, no, 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 no. You're missing the whole point. <laughs> Kick me in the Amazing. stall and then gloat about it. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. So it didn't work. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, what do you think, Christian? Split screen multiplayer? Is it? Um, is, is there any – can you think of any reason why it's been taken out? Uh, it's budgetary for sure. I also think that while I am a fan of it, I think when you hear these indie games, people singing its praises of Rocket League or Towerfall, that's actually, you know, if you looked at the spreadsheets, the numbers bear out. It's a very small number of people comparatively are actually playing these games versus a Call of Duty, which is one of the best sellers every year. And the complexity of getting split screen multiplayer to work in something like Towerfall or Rocket League is a much simpler task, I'd imagine, than getting 1080p, 60 frames per second, and Halo 5 delivering the type of graphics that they're trying to have. And also, I think the gameplay style they're maybe going for, where Rocket League, if part of your screen is covered up because you have four people sharing a screen, it's not as big of a deal if you've created this big, wide-open, sandbox-type level for Halo, whereas before we accepted it, um, people would you know make their cardboard cutouts so you couldn't peek at someone else's screen. I think the demand for it isn't as strong as people think it is. Um, people that love it certainly love it, but most people I don't think um, uh, care that it's there. And even if it was there, I would argue most people wouldn't use it because while I do agree that playing in the same room is the better way to play when possible, um, bringing TVs or split screen or getting four people to come over is just so much harder to do. I would argue most of us wouldn't do it anyway. So I agree with the sentiment of the question, but um, I guess I poo-poo on the concept. <laughs> those, are, those are great points, Christian. And I, I think also it might be too that there's might be less demand because of broadband, frankly, that like we know we can play against our friends that way. We don't have to be at each other's houses anymore like we used to. There actually are alternatives for multiplayer now that are completely viable and more fun ultimately because you get the whole screen to yourself. Um, I think that you're right. And I, and I wonder if another layer on that, this is just a wild theory, but I wonder if another layer on that is that people are just more accustomed to having their own screens. We carry around a screen in our pocket all the time. We have these tablets that we stare at to watch content. Everybody's just assumes that they have their own entire screen all the time, which is why a company like Nintendo, who's committed to having these, you know, family, living room multiplayer experiences it was introducing a system that you have your own screen if you want to you know if you want to play a multiplayer game one player gets their own whole screen on the controller i wonder if that has right. anything to do with it yeah it could yeah 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 um well thanks for that question matthias uh we would love to hear from more people for your cues that we will try to a as well as we can you can always send those in to dlcfeedback at gmail.com again dlcfeedback at gmail.com uh let's thank a sponsor we have a sponsor from harry's oh my gosh if you need a shave 
Harry's is the place to go. Shaving has gotten so expensive and inconvenient, but Harry's can help you out with that. No longer do you have to go to the the drugstore and get the dude to unlock the case and that, 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 blah, spend a whole bunch of money to buy just substandard crappy razors. No. Harry's has their own factory in Germany. I wonder if it's near where Matthias hangs out. Uh, they have uh, the highest quality razors, and their starter kit is just 15 bucks because they cut out the middleman and offer you an amazing shave for a fraction of the price. It's awesome. The, that starter kit, 15 bucks, includes a razor, three blades of your choice, and, uh, or excuse me, three blades and your choice of Harry's Shave Cream or fo- Forming Boy. I'm having your problem, Christian. Uh, it's Shave Cream or Foaming Shave Gel. Uh, I prefer the uh, shave gel, actually. It's uh, much nicer than the shave cream for my my sensitive face. But uh, some people might want the shaving cream, so you have your choice either way. And we're going to give you five bucks off your first purchase by using our promo code, which is DLC. So all you got to do is go to harrys.com. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. And uh, when you check out, put in that promo code DLC. We'll give you five bucks off. That means your starter kit can be ten bucks that's an entire month's worth of shaving for just 10 bucks, and shipping is always free. Oh, man, that's great, too. So 10 bucks gets it right to your door. Check it out, harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and that promo code DLC. Uh, all right, dudes, let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Right now, right now. Jeff, I understand that you've been playing a board game uh, not too long ago. Uh, you want to talk about it? Uh, yeah, uh, it's a card game, which I guess we count as a board game, right? Absolutely. We don't make that distinction on this show? It's a tabletop game. Yeah, cards and boards and all kinds of that stuff, yeah. All right, so I don't get booted out and I don't get – you don't hit the ejector button because it's a card game? Uh, no, we welcome card games. The ejector button for lots of other stuff, though, so beware. <laughs> All right, so the game that I've been playing uh, with my daughter uh, is Guillotine, which yeah. uh, I don't know if you guys have played. Have you played this? I have. This is an older game, but really, really fun. All about off with their heads, right? Yeah, it is an older game, which I actually didn't know. It actually goes back like a long time. I think it goes back to like 98. Uh, yeah. But, but my kid and I discovered it like a month ago. So uh, so I don't know whose fault that is. But anyway, yeah, so it's a, it's a car. <laughs> game that you, you can play with two it goes up to i think five people uh and basically it it's uh it's set in the french revolution uh and uh your uh how do you describe this game it's basically just you're playing cards you're trying to uh <laughs> you're lining up nobles french nobles to be guillotined uh yeah. one by one and the strategy involves uh the order of the cards, uh, and uh, so you've got the guillotine at one end of the uh, one end of the table, and each player has a set of uh, of cards that represent either French nobility, uh, the king, or peasants. And you know you don't want to be executing peasants; you do want to be executing uh, the the rich nobles. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's a matter of placing your cards in, in the proper, in, in the correct sequence and screwing over your opponent and making them execute the wrong people and that kind of thing. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you take it. 
I was going to say, it's a, it, you have this long procession of people just kind of marching to their death, getting their heads cut off, <laughs> and, you're, and you're collecting heads. You're, you're literally collecting severed heads in this game that are worth different amounts of points. The higher the nobility, the more points they have. So yeah, so you have this procession, and within that procession, uh, you can mess with the order so that you force uh, a peasant to move up two spaces or whatever uh, right before your opponent needs to chop off someone's head. So he chops right. off the wrong head. Um, right. You ridiculous. could reverse the order of the line. So there's all yeah. different ways to, to to mess with the order of the guillotine line. And it probably does have the distinction of being – this is like a family game, but it may be the only <laughs> family game which which does involve the collection of severed heads. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> It's a wholesome game in which you execute people. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty funny, and it's a really great, easy to learn game. It plays quickly. Uh, it's pretty fun, and it's actually the designer of this game is the same guy who designed Smash Up. Which did we ever play that, Christian? You and I did we play Smash Up together? I think we did. It sounds familiar, but yeah. I can't recall the rules. That's the one where you have different decks that represent factions like fairies or wizards or. Uh, space marines or zombies or cheerleaders. Oh, yes. yes, And then we did. you get two of them, you mash them up into one deck of cards so you have like the zombie cheerleaders and then and then you know they have certain abilities and you're trying to take over different areas on, on the uh, on the table. Uh, so that's a much more recent game by the same designer that that was a big hit too. Um, but yeah guillotine is 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 a lot of fun. It's a game I haven't thought about in a long time but um that's it's really one easy. Of the, it's, one, it's one of those games where you can just invite people over and they'll understand the rules in like five minutes. So it's yeah, good that it's, way. A great, it's a great game for that. And uh, that's one of the things I love most about tabletop games is that even games that are, you know, Christian, you're talking about revisiting old video games and kind of seeing the evolution of game design that way. Uh, board games never have that feeling of, of being old. Like they, the technology upon which they're based is, is always the same. And so it, you can play an old game and it feels fresh and new uh, if it's fresh and new to you, which is one of the, my favorite things about it. Um, I had some folks over this weekend to play games and uh, it was a group of people, some uh, friends of my wife's who are not, usual board gamers a couple of them were but uh we had a group of people that were fresh to it and i introduced a game evolution to the group um in the hopes of getting to the evolution flight expansion which just came out which i just got um which adds um flying abilities to the creatures that you're evolving in evolution i've talked about evolution before it was one of my favorite games of last year that came out but there's a new second edition uh that the folks at north star sent over to me to check out and man, it's got some really great improvements. The the components of evolution are so high quality. You get this really cool brontosaurus as the first player marker. Each player has a bag to put their points in. Uh, the mat for like the center section where all the food hangs out uh, for your creatures is really high quality. Everything is done really, really well. And they've tweaked a lot of the cards in the second edition based on feedback from players. Um, so the game has become even tighter and more strategic. Uh, it was interesting. I've talked about this game before. This is about you have these species that you're trying to evolve and give certain traits to be more survivable and to live longer. And certain species can become carnivores, uh, at which point they can't can't eat the plant food anymore. They can only eat other creatures on the table. So you have this wonderful player interaction thing where some players are eating other players and you sort of have to create traits that will protect you. So you can get a hardened shell or you can become a climber and get yourself up into a tree so that they can't get you. Uh, but then they can become climbers, so they can climb up and eat you. Um, really, really clever game, and it's so thematic. It really 
everything makes sense from a from a when you think about from an evolutionary standpoint. Um, so the test was was this game going to go over well with a bunch of of real non gamers and and newbies? And I think it was a little rough going at first because I think people basically had never played any kind of designer board game before. They didn't understand some of the the basic ideas of of how cards work for multiple things. In this game, you have a card in your hand and it has multiple functions on it. Sometimes you want to use it as a trait. Other times you want to discard it to activate certain things. And sometimes you need it to just represent food because it has a number in the bottom right, which is a concept that makes sense to me. But, uh, you know, there's very few board games that we grew up on that use that kind of thing. So I think that was a little bit of a uh, speed bump in the learning process, but overall, the game went over really well. I think people had a great time playing it, and um, I I recommend this. Man, this is a game that I like a lot. It's called Evolution, and the new expansion is Evolution Flight. But I haven't had a chance to actually try that yet because our game took a little longer uh, than I thought it would. I was hoping to have a second round of of playing uh, Flight, but uh, I'll have to report on that in a subsequent episode. Who Jeff? Are you playing with anybody who didn't believe in evolution? <laughs> well, I had a guy who who said that when we started. He's like, "What if you don't believe in evolution?" Uh, and I, I'm 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 90 sure he was kidding. But uh, I just met him that night, so I'm not entirely certain. But uh, I my retort was that uh, hopefully this board game will convince you otherwise. So I don't know. I had um, that same problem in Rocket League. I was like, some my friend I was playing was like, "What if you don't believe in Rocket Leagues?" And um, I told him we couldn't play. <laughs> our friendship fell apart. It's been rough. Yeah, I hate the I hate Rocket League deniers. They're uh, <laughs> annoying. All the evidence is there, man. <laughs> All the evidence is there. You would think the uh, same scientist that could send a camera, you know, light years away to take pictures of Pluto would also be able to develop Rocket League. So I don't understand what your concern <laughs> is with the science behind it. I don't either. Um all right, guys, let's wrap this episode up. Uh, we are going to come at you with a parting gift, so stay tuned for that. But before we go, uh, let's thank Jeff Green for being here. This has been a really awesome pleasure. Uh, Jeff, where can people keep up with you if they're so uh, Let's see. They can keep up with me at, uh, at Greenspeak as my Twitter feed. That's G-R-E-E-N speak. And that's also my uh, YouTube and Twitch handle. Uh, and I've been streaming a lot of, well, I, I've had a break because I had a bad back injury, but I'm, I'm going back to finish Bloodborne on my uh, live stream and also Hearthstone. Yeah, if you have not watched one of Jeff Green's uh, Twitch streams, you are really missing out. It is very entertaining. He has an awesome community of people who cheer him on, and uh, and he it, it's amazing watching him play. Come watch Hearthstone. the old man fail. I think that's the appeal. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Christian, how about you? What's going on this week? Um, well, the, the big thing is my comedy album, uh, is now four ninety nine on iTunes. If you are so inclined also on CD baby, I couldn't figure out to change it on Google play or Amazon MP3. Unfortunately, I don't think I have pricing control over that. The beauties of figuring out, um, self-releasing and self-publishing. I'm sure game developers are like, yeah, welcome to the club. And you only put out an audio, um, album, you idiot. <laughs> But on iTunes and on CD Baby, my album Moment in Time is on sale for just $4.99. So if you haven't checked it out, um, I encourage you to do so. Uh, are you going to do the, the big fun news? It isn't this week, though, Jeff. Are you going to mention that? Yeah, I'll, I'll mention that. But yeah, we're very excited. But, but I also want to say uh, Christian's album is excellent and four ninety nine is a steal. Uh, I also have the added benefit because I have Christian's album that – 
uh, on my phone, anytime I open my music <laughs> app, I see Christian's face, and then because everything is alphabetical, the first track from his album that comes up is Anal. So I guess that's how I face feel about my video game collection and the word anal. So that's fun. So <laughs> it's only five dollars for that experience. Every time you turn on your phone, that's that is a bargain. <laughs> Thanks. Wait, for that's the, the first thing you see when you turn on iTunes is anal. Well, when I turn up, when I open the music app on my phone, yeah, because of the albums that I have, uh, the first, the alf- alphabetically, the very first song, I don't have any songs that are alphabetically higher than anal. I'll put out a single for you that's just called Dot. That's just a period. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? What else you got, Christian? Anything else? Oh yeah, the twenty eighth. We got to talk about the twenty eighth, right? The twenty eighth is a show here in Los Angeles at Nerd Melt. Uh, I'm doing um, along with Kyle Kinane, Dean Del Rey, Brenton Biddlecombe, and of course, I love uh, whenever I have the opportunity to put together a show. Um, Jeff Kanata and Anthony Carboni are doing a live. We have concerns. It is eight dollars. It is here in Los Angeles, July twenty eighth. It is called an evening with Christian Spicer. I'll be doing some stuff from the album and some new stuff that's been going well as well. And then I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm still talking. I'm going to do it. My words are making some sense. Um, we're doing a, a live panel at PAX. Yay! Yay! Yay. DLC is going to be at PAX live, guys. Oh my gosh! It's on Saturday at one p.m. And I will do Either. four hours on uh, Game Boy Color games. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really hope people uh, that are coming to PAX. I mean, PAX is already sold out, so it's not like you can decide to buy your tickets now. But if you are already going to PAX Prime in Seattle, uh, the weekend of August twenty seventh, we are Saturday at one p.m. It's going to be us. I think we're going to have some fun special guests. I'm working on getting it, uh, making a sort of mini. We have concern or. Um, Excuse me. Weekend confirmed uh, reunion. Cool. And uh, yeah, it should be should be a blast. Are you going to PAX this year, Jeff? I go every year, so yeah. Oh, awesome. I don't have tickets yet, though, which concerns me. I should probably get them. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's sold out. I'll get in somehow. I'll you know something. people. You know, I know people. people. What else, Christian? Anything else you want to uh, plug? That's all that's fit to plug for now. Go buy my album. Give it a good review on iTunes. If you like it, just uh, and tell someone about this show. If you like DLC, tell your friend about this show. Um, and we hope to yeah. keep making things that you enjoy. That's all we're doing here. Yeah, man. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada with two N's and one T. And uh, check out We Have Concerns. Today's episode, Monday, uh, the 20th of July, uh, is is one of the one of the ones I've liked most recently. It's it's I think it's really funny. Uh, it's called Butterfly Patterns. Um, so check that out. It's only 20 minutes long and, uh, the slash filmcast at slash filmcast.com as well. So, uh, PAX, we will be there. We have concerns. We'll be there. I hope to see you guys at both shows. If you can make it, um, very, we're, we're super, super excited about that. Also, uh, Jeff has been awesome on this episode, but he's just the beginning of, of really cool guests that we have that were all suggested by you. So, uh, get excited for that. We have some cool guests coming up in the next few weeks. And we can't forget to thank our last sponsor, Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash D-L-C. Oh, man, I love Linda. Linda is a place for people like me, curious people, people who want to learn. Linda is an awesome place. They have over 3,000 on-demand video courses that can help you strengthen your business technology and creative skills. You can learn new things. That's why I love it. That's why I use it. And we're going to give you a free 10-day trial to check it out yourself. All you have to do is go to lynda.com slash DLC. 
and you get a free 10-day trial to check out their entire site of online learning videos. These are videos created by experts in the field, people who know how to make video. It's not some moron on YouTube who doesn't tell you the thing you need to know or waits 20 minutes and and tell you the thing you need to know. Uh, This is all the best information, easily searchable. There are transcripts of every course, so you can search for keyword and jump right to the point of the video. You need to know the thing you need to know. Uh, And there's so many topics of interesting things to learn about. You can learn about game development. They have HTML5. They have 3D Studio Max. They have uh, Unity. They got 3D and animation courses, all kinds of photography courses. Any piece of software that you can imagine is probably on Lynda. It's going to tell you the most up-to-date information, the latest patch, the latest update of that piece of software. So you don't have to worry about getting old information like you do when you search YouTube half the time. It's awesome. You can create and save playlists of courses you want to watch. So you can just create the learning path that you want. And then you can share that with friends, which makes it uh, easy for you to kind of learn things uh, with other people or share things that you might want someone else to, to know about. It's great. Lynda.com slash DLC. Get your free 10-day trial and check it out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. L-Y-N-D-A.com slash DLC. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. We really appreciate it. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's close this show out with our parting gift. Jeff, do you have a, a suggestion for people to get through their week that might not be a video game? Uh, sure. I can suggest, uh, this is going to be random, a random band that pro- probably most people don't know, but, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, a lot of kind of music, but one, one of the kinds is New Orleans music. Uh, mm. And there's a band called uh, Galactic that's kind of like a funk rock band. And uh, they're pretty amazing. They're an amazing band live. And they just put out a brand new record uh, that features Macy Gray, among other people, if you remember her. Yeah. Uh, um, who's, who's still great, even though she's, she's not as popular as she once was. Uh, and I can't remember the name of their new record, but uh, it's on Spotify. The name of the band is Galactic. All of their records are great. If you're into like incredible drummers uh, and uh, guitar, bass, sax, uh, I recommend Into the Deep. That's the name of the record by Galactic. Into the Deep by Galactic. That's awesome. I am definitely yeah. going to check that out. That sounds rad. Very, uh, very different you? stuff. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Christian, what's, what's your um, parting gift? Keep it on the comedy tip. If you are not watching it, The Meltdown with Jonan Kumail is an incredible live show here in Los Angeles, but it is also an awesome TV show on Comedy Central that I think captures the beautiful chaos of their live show so well and I think really gives that intimate, you know, cool L.A. weird theater comedy show experience with some awesome big-name comics to people across the country and the world where you don't often get to see Jim Gaffigan being erupted by interrupted by Doug Benson and, and called bad names. This was their first season, of course, or an entire episode about one of the stars of uh, an Emmy nominated show get made fun of for wearing a dumb jacket, which happens to Kumail in this current season. The Meltdown, Joan and Kumail on Comedy Central. It's a fantastic stand up comedy show that um, conveys great energy and atmosphere to people everywhere. Check it out. Uh, mine is actually also a comedy. It's uh, Seven Days in Hell. I don't know if, you've, if you guys saw this. Uh, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing that HBO did. It's like this uh, bizarre one-off kind of extended sketch 
Uh, you hear a lot about HBO shows, but this is just a weird sort of one-off, not long enough to be a movie, but not short enough to be a sketch. It's this weird sort of 45-minute uh, thing about a, a f- sort of a fake HBO sports documentary about a uh, a tennis match that took place for seven days straight. And oh, this became... was the Andy Sandberg thing, right? Yes, right. It's Andy Sandberg and like everyone. It, it, there's there's cameos from like a thousand actors that you've all seen and and know and like, uh, and all playing ridiculous characters. Uh, it is, it's bizarre and weird. It's like, why was this even made? But I enjoyed it. It made me laugh out loud a few times. Um, so it's seven days in hell. It's on HBO. If you have HBO go, you can uh, check it out. I watched it last night and, and it made me laugh. So I, I'll give it the, the old recommendation. Um, okay. That does it for this episode of DLC. Thanks to everybody who listened. Thanks to all of you guys who hung out in our chat room, uh, and, uh, enriched our show by commenting in real time. Thanks to Jeff Green and Christian Spicer. Thanks to the folks at 5x5. Thanks to you for downloading. Tell your friends. We'll see you next week at 11 a.m. Pacific time on Monday. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.